Hey guys, thanks for listening to Kinda Dating, the comedy dating podcast where I, your host, Natasha Chandel, and some cool guests break down the dating world and try to figure out why the fuck do we all have commitment issues? Today's topic is anxiety and depression, part one, how to manage it in your relationships. Let's do this. Hey guys, I'm Natasha Chandel, and you're listening to Kinda Dating. Shout out to Jay Barshop, who says uh, he left this awesome review. He said it's an awesome show, and he highly recommends it. Um, Natasha and her guests are super engaging and share unique insights on how to navigate the wild world of dating. Highly recommend listening and subscribing to Kinda Dating if you want the knowledge and mindsets to help you find the one. Thank you so, so much. It's a very well-crafted, honestly, review. Most people don't even form full sentences. So thank you so much for that. Um, We really love hearing from you guys. So if you can, uh, if you like the podcast and you like what you hear and or it's helped you, um, please leave us a review on the podcast app, uh, ideally on iTunes. And we promise to shout you on the show. Uh, Thank you again, Jay Barshop. We really, really appreciate you. Speaking of, like, one of the things that uh, we hear a lot is you guys love our guests, and today is uh, equally amazing. We have Yogi Roth here with us today. He is Pac-12 Network's college football analyst. He is, okay, guys, just get ready for an entire list, okay? Just don't hold your breath because it's going to take a while. He's a filmmaker. He's a scholar. He's a New York Times bestselling author, accomplished coach, motivational speaker, media personality, host, and world traveler. He he won't add very good looking into the re- into his resume, but I will tell you he is. So okay, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> do you want to be like? Do you want to do any more in your life? I mean, I could read yours right back yeah, at no, you. Yeah, so, I, I, I mean. do shit. <laughs> Disagree. I come here and I vent. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm a fan, by the way. Thank you Congrats so much. Thank you. You too. Um, thanks so much for joining us. You have like done a lot and you're also part of some really cool projects, right? Do you want to talk about some of those? Yeah, no, I'd love to. I'm uh, I'm fired up to, to be part of the conversation, number one, in your community because it seems rad. Uh, when I saw it and I was like, okay, kind of dating. Like I've been kind of dating my whole life. So how do you, uh, why the hell would I ever come in? First of all, why would you want me as a guest? And then when we connected and talked about the depth that, uh, this podcast exhibits uh, all the time on all of your shows, I was like, oh, this would be a really fun conversations. And I've been doing a lot of work recently with high school student athletes, with collegiate student athletes, with guys going to the pros. And I've just seen like the absolute narrative continue to explode, which is, People just want the opportunity to let their guard down. Yeah. And in sports, it's crazy now. Like high schoolers have like 70,000 Instagram followers. So they're supposed to be like this person. And then they get on a college campus and they're supposed to have 10 girlfriends. They're supposed to be this specific Mm -hmm. thing and this brand. And then it all comes crashing down. And what I've seen recently um, is the amount of depression skyrocket in sports. And I was like, man, this is going to be a cool topic because we all have inflated senses of ourselves or how we project them Mm -hmm. on our device. So uh, I'm fired up to have the convo. I don't know where the hell it's going to go, but... I yeah, don't worry. But no, no, don't worry about that. I think we have we have an awesome thing. Like I have, I have lots of great questions to ask you. But yeah, I mean, uh, I want to do this, and the reason I say this is part one because I, I feel like there's no way to end this conversation. So I definitely will have like a part two of this at some point. But um, people reach out to me, and most of the 
messages tend to be like somebody is either dated or is in a relationship currently with somebody suffering from some mental health issue, usually like an anxiety disorder or depression, um, and or they are. Um, and so they're, you know, kind of g- going through a hard time or their pessimistic point of view of like life and dating now because of their past experiences. So I was like, this is something we definitely have to tackle on the show. Um, but before we jump into it, which guys, I have some some interesting stats on this stuff. I ask every guest, single, in a relationship, what's up? In a relationship. Awesome. Yeah. And how long? I think it's probably debatable. Like, oh. I, like we met in <laughs> March of last year. And the kind year. of dating part. Yeah, no, yeah we met in March last year. I walked onto a plane and I was like, oh, hell yeah, I get to sit next to you? So to me, it was like we met in March and yeah. it kicked off then. And she's like, well, it took you about two months to get a date because we were both going through our own thing. Yeah, so she yeah. would probably say late May, June. Yeah. Um, but so, like, a decent I mean, amount of time. So, yeah, and for me, good... it was it's definitely a long amount of, uh, large amount of time. I think our first date, she said, how long is your longest relationship? And I, un- I was honest. And I was like, six months. And she was like, oh, cool. Like freak out internal. Oh, yeah, uh, it definitely is. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's been great. It's a totally different world for me. Yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting. Um, uh, every time I date somebody and they're like, it's been like same thing, like six months. I'm like, because mm, like my longest has been four years. Totally. So I'm like, do you know what it takes? <laughs> totally. But my my theory on that, or at least like my truth on it, yeah, was that it just I never wanted to be in anything, whether it was yeah. a conversation or anything that just didn't feel right. And I yeah. think as a as an athlete or as a performer. You're guaranteed two things, I think. One is the ability to love because you've loved a script or you've loved mm-hmm. a sport or a ball and you have the ability to trust your instinct because you have to on stage, as you yep. know, and me on a field or on a court, you have to. So I was like, trust that voice. And that's where yep. I've always done my work. I call it lonely work where yeah. it's like, okay, what are you about? What's your story? What's your, and who are you? So in relationships, I'd be like, yeah, this is cool. But eh. like, I know it's not. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, yeah. and I'm sure I had like elements of commitment issues, but. I really felt it was that. So I even told her that. Yeah. I was like, hey, I just never felt anything. Yeah, I no, I think do. that's honest and fair. Like, I I was a commitment phobe, so I had a great excuse of why yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to date people for a long time. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, and this is the interesting thing. Everybody has, you know, something that we bring into relationships that can cause anxiety with you or the other person. So here's some interesting stats on anxiety, guys. And before we even get into this, um, I want to stress this enough. If you are experiencing any kind of anxiety or depression, um, here are some you know resources uh, off the top that you can explore. There's the National Institute of Mental Health. It's N-I-M for Mary, H for home, dot N for Nancy, uh, I for India, H for home.gov. So nimh.nih.gov. Um, check them out. Also, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1 800 273 8255. They have trained crisis workers available to talk 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, you guys aren't alone, so definitely please reach out to people. Stats on this anxiety disorders are the most common mel- mental illness in the U.S. 18% of the population have some kind of anxiety disorder. That said, it is very treatable, but only 36% get treatment. And nearly half of people with anxiety disorders also have, or sorry, n- nearly half the people with depression have a form of anxiety disorder. And worldwide, the most common anxiety disorders are specific phobias, major depressive disorder, social phobias are the most common ones. Um 
that's kind of crazy and not surprising to me at the same time. Uh, have you have you ever kind of experienced either? For sure. I mean, I think if you're human, you have. Yeah. You know, not to project the general thought no, on yeah. the population, but a hundred percent. I think as a, as an athlete, um, you know, I grew up in a house of performers. Mm. Everybody was performing something. I mean, you had to get in and fit in wherever yeah. it was. So whether it was piano, the arts, uh, I eventually stumbled into sports. Um, you want to do well, mm-hmm. and it's because you care about it. And when mm-hmm. you don't, it's a bummer. So you you cru- you're, you're crushed. Mm-hmm. You know. So for me, there were multiple instances. Whether you miss the game-winning shot, drop the game-winning catch, um, or don't get the scholarship. Like I was a walk-on in college, mm-hmm. meaning everybody said no. And I was like, okay, crushed, but screw you. I'm going to go prove that I can and went and did it. So to me, it's all the reaction and the dealing with it. You know, to me, it's the fun parts of even therapy. Or When you go into the therapist room, my parents were both therapists. So I grew up in this house that I was just mind fucked forever. Right. And they were just analyzing me. Everything. Everything. Always a step ahead. Our mom was an art therapist. I'd come home with a picture and she'd be like, oh, your girlfriend dumped you. Oh. I'd be like, no, like not even close. She's like, well, you didn't have a door handle on the door. So clearly you're not opening up right now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So that yeah. was it. But on a serious note, she was working with kids who were abused. Yeah. They didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. would uh, look at their art and take it into the courtroom mm-hmm. and say, this is what I can depict from their mm-hmm. artwork. So I say that because I think there's a be- beauty of going in and learning the why and the mechanics behind how you mm-hmm. think and operate, date, whatever. And then I think there's a point where you pivot and you're like, okay, here's my game plan. Yeah. And I think as a, as performers, you're you're built to be like, I have to have a game plan. I drop my line. I got to go, though. Yeah. You know, or I drop the ball. But there's the next snap. So for me, when I dealt with being depressed from a moment in sport, because it's an easy analogy, it was OK, regroup. And whether it was in the next moment or the next week, I had to regroup. And as, as I got older, you're responsible for kids that you coach mm-hmm. or people that you work with. And that's there's a fun bounce back element to me there. So I always try to frame it as that type of opportunity when I'd be bummed. Yeah. And when it goes longer, I'm just not good at holding in. So it was always let's just vomit it out. Yeah. And yeah. Let's talk about it. Well, I mean, it's, it's good that you were, you know, s- sort of self-aware and able to pick yourself back up. But I think like for for most people, a lot of and, and you tell me even like listening back about your sports um, experiences with like with anxiety is so much of us uh, or most of us at almost all times attach our existence and identity to things that we do. So if some part of us fails, we feel a part of us has died. Totally. It's like, I don't exist anymore. Oh fuck. I missed that game, game winning shot. It's fucking done. Everybody hates me. I, I amount to nothing. Like literally your existence is like on the line. So like a failed date is not really about the fact that the date failed. It's a, like we attach that this person feels this way about me. It means some part of me is diminished. Some part of me is dying when really it's like about reframing that that has nothing to do with you, you know, and it has to just like let situations be. Sometimes totally. shit happens, you know? I mean, I- to me, there's a ton to talk about there, but mm-hmm. the first thought is like process versus outcome. Mm-hmm. Like where we live in a world where you get the next job because your outcome was really good. But the only way to get there is to be connected to the process. So yeah. that is a struggle. You know, I work on this show. It's my tenth year now. It's called the Elite Eleven. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like the it's like American Idol for high school quarterbacks. So we yeah. literally started today in Miami. Our crew's wow. there, and we go to ten different regions. And it's awesome. We'll do it with Nike, and away we go. We bring the top 24 to L.A. Mm-hmm. and then choose the top 11, right? And it's like a reality show. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's a ton of coverage, and it's like 
90% of the NFL came through this. So it's the who's who. Wow. But what we find out is we do one-on-ones just like this with each quarterback of the 24 finalists. And Natasha, I would say 90% of them cry in the room. Wow. Because all they want to do is like let their guard down. So while things change, mm-hmm. right, your followers, the show, social element, the uh, objective of an outcome mm-hmm. just continues to increase, some things stay the same, like the mental development, right, of being a young man, of being you know, not fully formed in your prefrontal cortex until you're yeah. 25. Like all the, the scientific moments, they don't really change. And that to me has been the biggest disparity when you're talking about anxiety and depression mm-hmm. is the freedom to deal with it because you're projected to be one thing and your reality is another internally. And, yeah. and we talk to kids all the time. One of the first questions we ask, and I remember when it was asked to me, I didn't answer it right. And it was, where does confidence come from? Mm. And every answer, when you poll people, it's uh, previous experiences. And, and I'm in like an acting class now, and it's the same answers. You get it from crushing it in a previous show or an audition or somebody says you're great. And the science would say it's all self-talk. And if you're say saying, I suck, I suck, I suck, think of all the jabs to your chin that yeah, you're literally taking. proverbial taking yeah. or to your spirit. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's 100 a day, mm-hmm. 200 a day. So that to me, the awareness of that is the first thought that I talk to athletes about that I had to deal with as an athlete because you want to think that that's the way to deal with negativity or disappointment with with humility. But it's really the worst way to deal with it because you just keep burying yourself even further and further Mm -hmm. down. And it's so true. I think like uh, something I've... I've often found in people I've dated, and guys, let me be the first one to be frankly honest about it. I have had a long history with anxiety and depression. For me, it started when I was like 16 years old. I probably had like two or three, and this usually surprises people because they see me and I'm like a pretty happy kind of person for the most part, and I am because I've done a lot of work on it. That said, my first bout when I was like 16, I literally like couldn't get off of like the bathroom floors and like in my house, I would just be sitting and crying and like literally thought like I shouldn't be here. I mean, I had I would never have done anything about it, but I was just like, I amount to nothing, like I shouldn't be here. And that was like my first major kind of depressive episode. Then I've had it like when I was in a very traumatic relationship with like a very, very abusive relationship. I came out, I was fucked. I couldn't feel anything. I literally was like the day I went numb and I, I felt it. I was like there and then it was gone. And I remember like then being like, okay, you either have two options. I never drank at the time, or I never, I've never, I didn't start drinking until two years ago. But at the time, I was like, okay, there's a bottle of Grey Goose in your fridge. You might just fucking chug the whole thing. And then I realized I was like, nope, nope, stop. You have an option right now. Like, are you gonna go that way? Or are you gonna like get some help and get up off of this couch? And so I went to therapy, and I did two and a half years of like hard, 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 hard work. Cried like every other time. I never cried in life. And then with her, I was like, <laughs> like everything came out. And uh, and then like years later again, and I thought that I had it like pretty under control and then got again. And because I had PTSD, now this is another form of anxiety disorder from that past relationship that was abusive. And it brought me back into a state of depression for a short period of time again. Like, but at this point, I have learned many, many skills to like identify it, be aware. I know exactly what I'm supposed to do to like get myself back up and out of it. But that's like my history with depression. And then anxiety was like, I mean, people know on the show I used, I had Lyme disease for seven years and we didn't know I had it. I had it undiagnosed. So I was very sick for a long period of time, which obviously 
gets you down. But um, the physical part of being in like actual physical pain of Lyme disease, which kind of mirrors cancer. So literally every part of your body hurts and I couldn't get out of bed. It pushed my body into a hypervent like a hyperventilation state and so I developed anxiety out of like actual pain and so and then once I got better I couldn't get rid of the anxiety it already kind of triggered something in my body and uh, and so over the years again I've had to like learn those methods and and become very aware of like when my triggers are there or what states or what kind of people even do that to me. I'm like a very, very, very aware person of like, oh no, this energy is like not good. I'm just going to go over here. Or I date somebody and I'm like, you know, if you bring out a certain side of me that like I know very rarely comes out, that's not conducive for me. So like probably better to, you know, go the other way. And so like I say it only because I think people have to be honest about it. And like there is, there are still stigmas around these things and there doesn't have to be. That said, you know, should people divulge this information on first dates? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I think first dates are always kind of the, you're just trying to ha- have a good time. Yeah. Right. And see if you even vibe. Yeah. Uh, but to me, like you, you get to these different stages in dating, mm-hmm. right? Where for me, for, for men, I think it's a chemical shift. I can't speak on behalf mm-hmm. of women, but for guys, it's like, you know, and for me, I've never been the dude that uh, wanted to like play around a ton, but I'd I just want to meet people and I'd go on dates. But yeah. I, w- I would always like freak out about, dude, like I can't like really like if I hook up with this person, I don't know where she's been, I don't know the past, like I'm not yeah, into yeah, that. Yeah. Like I did not want to go down that road. Yeah. Um, but I always like was seeking like this really cool person. Mm-hmm. Um, and like even before I met my current girlfriend, the girl that I dated. I had it built up in my mind that it was like this amazing thing and I'd watch This Is Us and I'd be crying and I'd be like a total disaster because it wasn't that. It wasn't what I was hoping the outcome would be and I wasn't connected to that process. But I I think on you, my first thought is like, how cool is it that you just shared that? Oh, First and foremost, beautiful and thanks for having me a a part of it to to listen to that. Um, Two is I I think it's so, uh, it's it's probably really common People going through depression. You read the numbers early on. Huh? I was just at a funeral about a month ago for a kid named, a uh, young man named Tyler Helensky. Tyler Helensky is local, Southern California, uh, starting quarterback at Washington State. Big school, Pac-12, the nation knew, started their bowl game, and he was late for a workout. Nobody knew where he was, and he borrowed his teammate's gun and took his own life. And at the funeral, there were so many people. And he left a note. You know, we don't know what that note is. That's their family's business. And this young man got to know at 16. And he was just, Tasha, I mean, like full of life. Just a beautiful young man. I can remember our final conversation in the locker room, him talking about he's going to graduate. What do you want to do next? He was so pumped about his brothers because they're up and coming stars. Um, His younger brother was. His older brother was already finished college. They They all three played quarterback. It was like the perfect family when you looked at them and clearly had a lot going on and it rocked the sports community because it said okay we're in this alpha world where i'm supposed to tear your head off or Mm -hmm. for you you're the beautiful actress host perfect you've got the best story in the world and no one i don't want to speak to that situation because it wasn't there but i don't think enough times when we're around individuals where depression can happen which is all of life but also organized groups we got to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's been the, the greatest thing about everything that's going on in the country right now, from politics to race, gender, inequality, to depression, anxiety, Me Too, whatever it is, is that finally we're just having the discourse. Yeah. And that to me, uh, 
for me, that was the greatest part, even in my current relationship. Like, let's just talk it all out. Yeah. And we put it out from jump. No, and and exactly. And like, and it builds intimacy with people, right? Like, I'm sure with you and your girlfriend, it's like, you know, something about each other that um, gets you to understand each other better. And that's really what relationships are at the core of it is just who can you really be yourself with? Um, and I think that's what, uh, and, and that's so, so sad to hear about, you know, that, that young student. And it's like, I just remember being 16 and feeling those things. And, and I remember actually even telling my parents, cause mine came from like a lot of dysfunction at home. And I remember like literally going to my mom and being like, ma, I think I need to see a therapist. And she, you know, Indian families, we don't, they don't believe in therapy and shit. Yeah, so she was Israeli like, house, she was like, it, yeah. yeah, she was like, um, no, you're fine. And I was like, cool. So then I would like go back and be like, well, now I have an option. I can't go get help. I don't have the money to go get help. So either like I'm going to do something or which I wasn't going to do something, but or I'm going to have to like deal with this because I don't want to be defeated by this thing. But that said, I do think like knowing that you have anxiety and depression or any form of it. If it's Look, and all of us guys, this is a genuine fact. If you talk to any fucking therapist, they'll tell you this. Every single human is on some spectrum of the totally. DSM. Yeah. So uh, we're all fucking crazy together. Okay. So let's just put that out there. We're all good. I can remember when I moved to L.A. I don't know if you felt this, but I would be like I lived in Hermosa for a while and then I moved to Venice. And every time I would come up to Hollywood, like I would feel like, whoa, I'm in Hollywood. Oh, the energy. Yeah. Well, not only the energy, yeah. but like if I was out and I was like going to meet trying to meet somebody. Like I, I wouldn't even ha- feel comfortable to go talk to like the good-looking girl yeah, across yeah, the hall yeah. or at the dance club or wherever at the yeah. bar. Because I'd be like, "Well, I'm in Hollywood. Like, is she gonna like me?" And all of a sudden, all yeah. these thoughts were like, "I'm at the beach and I got my board and my board yeah. shorts. Like, I'll talk to anybody because that's my yeah, domain that's and it's great." But that was the first time I really felt in this city of like, "Ooh, shit!" Like, imagine yeah. if I was, you know, my brother's an actor and he always talks about like how often you get turned down. Oh, yeah. You know, and, I mean, yeah. you've lived that world. Yeah, I haven't totally. lived it daily as actors live it, I think, more than maybe yeah. the hosts probably live it in that world. But you're constantly having the inner dialogue. And I think as an artist, we always have that banter going on. Mm-hmm. And for me, if I don't get it out, like, I know I'm a disaster. It's why I surf or run or exactly. travel. Yep. No, and it's totally true. And I think, like, you know, bringing it back, like, relationships and dating and love and stuff, like, really brings this part of that really triggers a lot of people and again back down to like their self-talk about what they've said about themselves and who they are and what they want and are they good enough and and so you know bringing it back to like should you should you divulge this on your first date um it's not something I do on a first date but I definitely like a few dates in if I'm seeing somebody consistently I don't tell them as in like I'm still currently dealing with it because I'm not in any form of acute state of it. But I'm very honest that I'm like, hey, yeah, you know what? I've uh, had some situations happen and I have some triggers for things like if somebody like lies to me or something, it's like a very like normal people would just be like, oh, they lied like whatever. I'm like, oh, no, they're fucking crazy. And they need to you know what I mean? So I and that's my own personal thing I deal with. But I tell them that and I'm like, hey, so these are things that kind of like piss me off right. <laughs> and these are so like you well, know I, I don't, you should just know that i think that uh like i don't know what your house was like but it sounds like we both grew up in international homes to a degree oh, yeah right and there was no bs in our house oh yeah no. i mean zero like you didn't you couldn't play like it yeah. was like you think your life's intense like 
your grandparents survived the Holocaust. Yeah, like, exactly. Suck it up, dude. <laughs> exactly. Right? Like you don't want, like you want candy. Well, you're like you have anything, yeah. right? And here is like the nasty ass fruit roll up. Exactly. Like a pear of dried yep. out. I like never got. I didn't have toys and shit. No, you know dude, what I mean? We didn't have like table. It was like thirty second showers. I, it was great. I actually tried to, guys. Also, fun fact. Uh, I was like a little klepto when I was a kid, just because <laughs> like I was like, well, there were two reasons. One, fucking. Indian parents wouldn't it. buy me shit. Right. So I'd be like, and I tried to steal the very first time I tried to steal, my mom caught me and I was like, ah, fuck. <laughs> this is like, all right, ma. And then after that, it became like a social experiment where I was mm. like, nobody suspects girls to cheat here. And I would like oh, blatantly do it. And then I'd be like, and then I realized I had a problem and I had to stop. So I stopped. Good. But uh, yeah, I totally get it. Fucking. Well, here's the, the point of that to me, I think was. I didn't realize this till I got a little older too, and I'm 36, so I'm not like 80. Yeah. But oh, uh, you're so old. Yeah. Jeez. I know. But but <laughs> I realized. Eighteen guys. <laughs> I'd be curious. I think men would be curious uh, the female perspective, mm-hmm. but for guys, like the more honest a woman is, like the 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 more attractive she is. Mm-hmm. So when like the band aids ripped off and like the real stuff's there, then it's like an invitation to to do it to yourself. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's amazing because I think I'd be curious what the numbers would say, but there are social archetypes to men and women in yeah. hetero relationships, right? Where it's like the guy is the provider. If you go all the way back to cavemen yeah, and yeah. the woman, and even in psychology, I was talking to my dad about it. We were just in New Zealand together, and I was like, "Tell me about men and women. Like, give me the real stuff." Because he was did a lot of relationship therapy, and it was like women can teach way better because there's an yeah. empathy there and men can show because mm-hmm. there's like a mechanical engineer to their brain of like how things can be made mm-hmm. and women can do both single parents do it all the time men can do both mm-hmm. single parents all the time but generally speaking you live there so i think for men when the band-aids ripped and it's like wow natasha just told me like her world like number one badass like you've so much courage I'm a total puss. Like, I don't have that, but you've invited me to have it. Mm -hmm. Now we're dropping into what I call like deeper tide pools. Mm -hmm. And I like the analogy because I like the ocean. But the deeper you go, the colder it gets. And the Mm -hmm. colder it gets, the more you feel. And I totally think that men love that when they're invited to that conversation. And the more women that can be straight up, the better it is. And I I I don't know if it's the other way around, but it is for guys. It's it's interesting. I... um... Uh, I think people, to be honest with you, I think a lot of guys, uh, and this, again, this is just me being fucking honest because this is what I'm going to do on the show. I actually don't think most guys appreciate it. I think that they appreciate the idea of it, but then when you actually have to, like, potentially deal with that, it's like, oh, Mm. you know, one thing I I learned for me personally, just speaking of Lyme disease, you know, um, it's not something that's contagious. It's not something that I currently have or anything, but people will be like, so, like, do you, do I need to worry about something happening to you? And I'm like, get, get, just get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, I dealt with the seven years by myself, right. bitch. I don't need you right. or your fucking, you know, anything to, like, be worried. Like, is it going to interfere with your life? You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of the sense you get about these things. Okay. And I think with girls... um, I, I think everybody should be honest and take it in a, like, I love it. If somebody tells me something honest about their life and you're just being straight up and open about it, you know what you're dealing with. And that's what I appreciate. Because I think that at the end of the day, everybody should have the knowledge to make the right decision for themselves. That's the reason I tell people what they're dealing with. Because I'm like, and again, for me, it's not even, like, if I if you talk to anybody I've dated, 
most likely they would say I haven't acted out based on even what my experiences are. I've literally had therapists be like, you're actually a very high functioning person for the shit that you've come and told us. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, because I know how to be aware. Done the work. But that said, like, I still tell people because maybe there's some part of their life that really isn't ready for that. And they deserve to be able to make the right decision for themselves. And so I tell people, like, you should be honest. And I think girls appreciate it. At the same time, I would tell both sides, guys and girls, it doesn't mean you have to accept it if that's not right for you. Like if, again, for me, I can't date somebody who has like serious anxiety. Like I can't date somebody who, um, and I could just speak for, I was just telling you just before we started, guys, like uh, I was clearly in a relationship from last episode. And then day after that episode, my relationship just blew apart um, because of somebody's anxiety. And I realized like, oh shit, this is a recurring habit with some people of like, I have anxiety around relationships. So I'm, you know, and I, for me, I've just come to that point that I'm like, oh, I think I I can't be with somebody who has a certain type of anxiety. Yeah. Like if it's around relationships or it fucking freaks you out, you know, to use the word boyfriend or girlfriend. I'm right. like, get the, you know what? Come We're all grown ups. Yeah. Well, I, I wonder if there's a difference between anxiety and fear. Right. I mean, I, I love the phrase feel the fear and do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. So I referenced I was just in New Zealand. So we all jumped off like one of the bridges. <laughs> yeah. And when uh, my dad's like 66, 67, fucking insane. my brother and I, we did it. And. Everybody had a different level of fear. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a sure, pussy. I can't do that. Yeah. But, but totally. You, you might not be able to. Yeah. But like you, you can. Mechanically. Yeah. 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 You get Mechanically. There, yes. Like for the 80 sure. year old woman yeah, got yeah. up there and bombed off of it. My dad was like a Buddha jumping off of oh it. My it God. was amazing. And I sat there and, and I felt the same thing about like a relationship and mm-hmm. commitment of like, okay, I have an anxiety there, but I also have a fear there of like, like what's good and what's bad that can mm-hmm. come out of that. And once I realize that like only good comes with growth, mm-hmm. right? like every day is another good day, right? Sun pops up. It's going to be badass. It's the next day. It's the next day. And if I get crushed and I get dumped, which has happened, cool. At least I felt it. I yes. learned. And there's the next day. And that to me is like the reframing. And I'd be curious for men that would say, yeah, I'm anxious to be labeled boyfriend. Are you just afraid of like it shuts off your Tinder page or exactly, it shuts off yeah. it's sliding into the DMs? Yeah. Like there's a because because to your point earlier, I wouldn't want anyone to listen to this uh, come away and not respect anxiety because anxiety is different than like being afraid 100%. of being in a relationship. And I've lived in mm-hmm. both of those planets, and I'm sure a lot of us mm-hmm. have. But to me, I, I really think that's specific because the fear is sometimes it'll drive you to mm-hmm. try something unique. Sometimes it'll hold you back, but. It definitely will stunt growth mm-hmm. if you don't do it versus anxiety and learning the tools of how to deal with that, which, you know, you've just eloquently described. And that's and that's totally true. And I think like that's the the honest part of of really doing the work around this subject, I'm sure. And you have too clearly you obviously you're fucking parents are therapists. <laughs> it's crazy. I can't even I don't even can't even imagine that. But like I think. We again, we all have it within us to some scale and degree, but it's a ma- it's a matter of like managing it yeah. and actually working on it. And what you said, like really challenging yourself to be better for it, totally. which is what like we can use it to be like the shit that's happened to me in life. I'm like grateful for it. 
I don't wish it on my worst enemy, but I'm like, you know what? It made me so much better. It made me self-aware. It made me more enlightened about certain things in life that I took for granted before, and now I don't. Even the anxieties. It yeah. taught me so much about me. And the reason I wanted to do this topic was because so many people message me and are always like, this thing happened, so I've given up altogether. And because they have now they have so much anxiety around going on a date, you know, like the one thing we hear so much on the show is like how much anxiety people have just on first dates. Yeah. And I'm like, why? Just like take it like a fucking friend. If it like either you gel or you don't. And so like who cares? But it's not like again, your yeah. identity is like totally. linked to this one random encounter for an hour with somebody. You're just meeting cool new people. And some people are cool, some people aren't. Yeah, you know, it's fascinating because as um, we study, and I love talking about uh, this generation as like the iGen, mm-hmm. the iPhone. Yeah, you were right? saying, yeah. We were talking about it before we came on the podcast. And, and, I, and I bring that up because we're built as humans, like scientifically built to connect with somebody, right? And we're in a world where we don't. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine the numbers spike dramatically with, depression and anxiety because now when you and I were in high school you were in Toronto and I was in Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania we didn't get invited to a party we found out on Monday now I see like people walking into the party on Snapchat and I'm like what the hell how did I not get invited depressed depressed anxiety anxiety fuck why do I exist you know for me when I was crushed for the first time was fourth grade when my basketball coach said yogi his dream is to make it to, to get his MBA. And I was like, no, it's to play in the NBA. And I didn't know what MBA <laughs> yeah, meant. Yeah, yeah. But I was like, this dude just shut me down for the yeah. first time. And I stopped talking. And my job is to yeah. talk. And I went and started to write. And that was the first time I picked up a pen. Mm-hmm. First time I had a journal. I've been journaling ever since. So to me, the process was like, I have to communicate. Mm-hmm. It was with a pen and a journal and a paper. Mm-hmm. And I still have them. And I look back and I'm like, dude, like I had some the gnarly thoughts, thoughts yeah. going through my mind. But if you don't go through them, they're they're talking to somebody so it's like tennis they're either bouncing back off the wall back at me or they're going somewhere else and they're out there yeah and the more they're out i think the better so in relationships to me on the dating front um i think you you, i'd highly recommend to put it out there Mm -hmm. because i always say like we're not that important like i'm a broadcaster in college football and it's natasha i don't know if you're a huge college football fan yeah totally i know (laughs) everything about it but my exactly so it's college a football to or me, something, right? it's a touchdown. And go pit. Yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> but I, I say that because I remind myself this every season is that it's the smallest profession with the biggest ego. Mm-hmm. Same thing with acting. Same thing mm-hmm. with entertainment. Right? There's 10x teachers, probably 100x teachers on the planet. But because of that, there's a heightened focus and a heightened thought of like we matter, we're important. So yeah. My process every off season, I go somewhere no one exists. Mm-hmm. Went to Iceland last year, nice. Cuba the year before. Like just go to places where I can feel like not my shit yeah, doesn't. Nobody cares yeah. about like what SC did last weekend yeah. or what I said. Mm-hmm. Like take a breath because the anxiety of being on air and the minute you say something totally. stupid, you get destroyed for the next two and a half hours. Has happened to me pretty much religiously every Saturday. Yeah, uh, but my, the process to me has always been a good reminder to be like, okay, there's a lot of people that deal with this. You're just one of them. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Take mm-hmm. a breath, bro. Relax. That's a really that's a really great um, attitude and approach to have for sure. But it took a while, while to get there. My first I'm few sure. years was like, <gasps> they hate me. I know. <laughs> I don't give a fuck about anything. Yeah. So I'm kidding. Um, guys, we're still gonna we we have a lot more to talk about this conversation. I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about the role of social media in um, anxiety and depression now. Uh, but also, we want to share some tips, maybe, guys, if you're uh, experiencing some of this. How maybe you can handle it. But first, this message. 
filmmaker, scholar, New York Times bestselling author, accomplished coach, motivational speaker, media personality, host, and world traveler, Yogi Roth. Welcome. Uh, we're talking about anxiety and depression. Um, let me ask you something. Straight up, just straight up. Should right. should anybody even date if you, ha- if you have anxiety or depression? Should you be dating at all? Yeah. I mean, if not, then no one's going to date. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Right. We all have it. We all have it heading into the date, yeah. going home from the date. Being like, oh my God, they I saw that they double tapped somebody else's picture. Like, so they're active on their phone. Mm-hmm. So they definitely read my text where I said I had a great time. <laughs> yeah. Why the hell have I gotten a response? Yeah. So yes. So but then but then how do you do it in a responsible way so that it's not getting to a point that it's affecting relationships? Because I still think, like, I agree, we all have it, and so you should be you should hundred percent date. But I also don't think you should date if you're in an acute stage where you're like in the middle of experiencing something yeah, or you're not ready to face it. So like get therapy or, or actually do the work to make it better. Because yeah. then I think you're just fucking other people up as you're going along. You're just like, you know, I hate to use the analogy of like a car, you know, going downhill with no brakes. You're just fucking ramming into everything um, because, you know, yeah. you're trying to mask something and like not actually like face it but just kind of put on a front and be like i'm good and i'm just gonna go forward yeah um and i don't i can only speak from personal experience like when i was dating and this is during my commitment phobia phase i had so much anxiety around it because i came from like an abusive relationship that i wasn't that nice to some people and i reconciled with them later and i apologized and you know all that stuff i I didn't do anything bad to them but i definitely did not try and i kept everybody at arm's distance and i think it like you know not even confused them but like upset them just because like they wanted more from me and i was like i don't want to give you more you know because i was like in that phase of like it scared me it i just like didn't I hadn't dealt with like what was really upsetting me at the time or like what what the anxiety was really about. Um, And then, you know, of course, like now, years later, having done that work, I can go into relationships and I can have 28 year olds say dumb shit to me like he did the other day and still be like, all right, well, it's not about me. It's a you know, it's about this other person going through something and like moving on. Yeah. And be totally fine, you know, but like I agree with you. What do you think? I don't know. I dated someone. Uh, that could be under that same description, you know, coming out of a, an abusive relationship. And yeah. I was like, okay, I'm just going to keep, sh- I'm going to show up even more. Yeah. And there was n- minimal yeah. connectivity of on her side. And I was like, what? what? Like, we have a great time. Like, this is awesome. Because it's not about you totally. showing and up. And that's what I learned, you know, mm-hmm. throughout that whole thing is that it, it wasn't even close yeah. to me. But it's like in when relationships go bad, I think, uh, at least for me, a lot of the times it was, let me dissect it. Let me figure mm-hmm. it out. And I had a friend be like, dude, it ain't you. And I was like, "Yeah, for real? Like, what do you mean? Like, really? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's interesting. So to your point, I think that, I, again, I call it the lonely work. Like, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. And if we go back to the number one thing that matters, and it'll maybe it'll come off, uh, I don't know, whatever. My, my theory is that the number one thing that matters is you, right? And the number one thing that matters is me. And if I'm not right, if mm-hmm. I'm not at my best version of me, then I, I can't offer you anything, mm-hmm. right? So I got to be self-aware to do the work. Mm-hmm. And I went to a, uh, after every football season, I do what I call a creative retreat with a couple of my mentors. And I said, let's just go to work and tear some shit up. Awesome. And they said, all right, we're gonna, they asked me the questions that I hate, which is, what's your 15-year plan? 
Oh, what's your ten year plan? What's your five year? And I and I've like literally vomited over that. I'm like, I live day to day, man. Like I, I could live do a five year every- plan. I don't think I've ever been asked a ten year. It was what do you want to do at seventy? And I was like, That's scary. And I, I did know. the work. Like yeah. it was like honing. You can't squirm. You can't go to the bathroom. You can't check your phone. Like answer it. Like, you can change the answer, yeah. but we're gonna answer the question. And that work gave me a foundation. I've done the same mm-hmm. thing in my career. You probably do it as an actress. Yeah. Excuse me, and as a host. As a broadcaster, to me, everything is based in fact first, opinion second. Oh, My 100%. style is youthful, yeah. energetic, honest. Like, I know all yeah. the stuff. Like, I've <laughs> yeah. done the work. Yeah. But on, like, Yogi Roth, I didn't do the work. Yeah. And I, I met a, uh, you should meet this guy. His name's uh, Ariel Joseph Town. He's a feng shui master. And I was like, yo, come feng shui in my, sp- my space. We oh, did a nice. podcast around it. And he was like, okay, Yogi 1.0 moved to LA. 2.0 moved to Venice. What's 3.0 going to look like? I was like, I don't know. And my place had one nightstand represented one night stands yeah i had no pictures on the wall it was just kind of like not homey exactly so if i wanted this vision of sitting on the beach at 72 in san sebastian spain looking to the love of my life to my left and say i lived a life full of seeking i better start with a nightstand yeah and and that to me as silly as it sounds was like yeah i wasn't ready and it's probably unfair so i guess i'll give like a giant apology to the women that i dated because i didn't do the work but i think you have to go through the experience to realize like if I really want this thing at 72 and the beaches of San Sebastian, like I better do some work on myself. And then yeah. when I'm in it, okay, what what am I gonna think about every day? What mm-hmm. are, uh, you know, what are the brand attributes of my relationship, mm-hmm. right? Or what are to me, what do I meditate on? And it's about showing up. Yeah, those I think is like the daily like sit ups, sprints that mm-hmm. nobody's gonna see, so you feel good about your life. And I really think it starts with you, which is the scariest. And most honest. And again, I'm not a relationship expert by any stretch, but I think if you're not the best version of yourself, like how can you even attempt yeah. to show up for somebody else? So that's kind of where I that's out. A, and that's, uh, it's a very good point. And like, I think, you know, caveat, we'll always keep improving. So yeah, it's just totally. the best version of yourself at the time. Yeah. Uh, and for sure, like, I think, uh, I think everybody needs to face themselves and like be okay with it. Guys, I have like a million, I, I literally talk shit about myself. As a, I mean, it's sort of as a joke, but like, there's so many things I constantly work on and improved. Like, Fucking me five years ago to now, like I openly tell everybody, I'm like, I was a commitment phobe, I have fucking phobias, I have PTSD. I had to face all of that. And like, there were times I was the problem, you know? And like, I had really nice people sometimes. And I was like, I don't want to have anything to do with you. Totally. I was like, I was literally that girl. I was like, I don't want to be your girlfriend. So yeah. don't ask nope. me. And like, we good. You do you. <laughs> I'm doing me. Like, I was such a just hard ass. Like, I had guys literally be like, you're an unemotional bitch. You have no fucking feel. Ooh, I was like, yeah. Cool. No, I laughed. <laughs> yeah. Actually, one guy called me, he called me Tin Tin Man, and I thought that was the funniest thing ever. <laughs> I was like, I'm literally going to write a script on this. Thank you for the, the right. idea that will make me famous. No. Um, but, like, that, you know, that was me. And when I had to face that, even my own demons of, like, okay, what am I scared of? And it, like, brought up a million things from my childhood and being like, I didn't want to be with somebody that was like my dad and I was just scared that it was going to, you know, I used to tell people, I don't want to get married because what if the guy turns out to be crazy? And people would be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why would somebody be crazy? And I didn't want to explain to them that like that was my life. Like I woke up every morning and who knew who I was going to wake up to? You know what I mean? Like one day they were like in a good mood. The next day somebody was like blowing up. And so I had to learn to be like, oh, that's why. 
I think people mm-hmm. have the potential to be crazy, but as I tell everyone, life is a series of choices. If you want something to change, make better choices. And so I started making better choices of the people that I started dating to be like, okay, what would minimize the potential of crazy? You know what I mean? And like, look, sometimes you still get it. I totally. was living with somebody who, again, one day woke up and was like, I'm going to do this. And I was like, oh, so there you go. And that happens. But like now I've learned to, again, be like, it's not me. And it doesn't mean I'm jaded about love. And like, you know, I still believe in it. And I think it's cool. It's such a fun feeling, guys. So like, don't close yourself off to these things. Just really figure out what's triggering you. And so like it triggers you less. Yeah, I I, I agree. I I had those around uh, travel. My passion in life is seeing the world. And Mm -hmm. I love it. I mean, every year, twice a year, I Every shekel I have is yeah. to a flight mm-hmm. and to an experience and to go do that. And you, it's amazing, right? Mm-hmm. You've traveled enough. Oh, you were yeah, just in yeah. India, I think, yeah, right? Yeah, and I do the same. I do an international trip every year. Yeah, so you one. drop yeah. in, you meet amazing people. Mm-hmm. You There's no bullshit because you're in another country and you vibe. Totally. And it's great. And there's a hesitancy that's like, oh, can I go do that? anymore? And then you're like, okay, that's I feel that fear. All right, let's do it anyway. Yeah. And then you're like, Okay, like it's either worse with somebody when you go on an adventure together or it's way better. Mm-hmm. But either way, to the point earlier, like it's growth mindset. Yeah. And to me, that's where my biggest growth has come mm-hmm. of, as a man of, okay, cool. Like I kind of love like as an athlete, your your life is built into seasons. Mm-hmm. So in college, it's play in the fall. Yeah. Have a girlfriend. Spring and then it's winter break. So like it's a natural breakup. Yeah. There was like minimal. I didn't even have a phone until I was like midway through college. If it wasn't great, like you just wow. kind of whatever. I, I, had, I had a phone when I was fourteen. Guys. Yeah, that's see now I feel old. <laughs> no, and yeah. I'm not much older. I was just obsessed. I was like, I want a phone. Yeah, we had nothing. And then you come back in spring and it's great, and maybe yeah. you meet somebody new. And you go through this like cycle of relationships yeah. that as you get into adulthood, you're like, okay, well, I'm going on a trip, so like clearly I can't be committed. Mm-hmm. I, I remember a girlfriend I had. Maybe I don't know if she would say she was my girlfriend. A girl I was with probably <laughs> like eight, eight years ago. I was like, I can't wait to go to Spain this summer, and she's like. Yeah, I can't wait to get to Barcelona too at a breakfast. And I was like, <gasps> You like, you, like you come with me? Like, I don't know who you're going with, but yeah, yeah, yeah. This shit is going to end before then because oh, I'm going no. solo to Spain. Yeah. And granted, uh, that wouldn't have worked anyway, but it was like the first time that I was like, Ooh, Yogi, you, you enjoy being alone. Or my, one of my greatest strengths is being alone, but one of like a necessary element to me of living a full life, which is my only goal, is to share it. Yeah. And you know what's interesting? My my best friend's a sh- social worker, and I say that often. I say, like, I like being alone. And she actually stopped me the other day, and she was like, stop saying that. And yeah. I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, stop saying the affirmation that you like being alone. You don't like being alone. You like people around you. You like a relationship. You like those things. You also like your alone time. Like, you like yeah. solace. Like, you like just getting away and regrouping and coming back. And I'm like, right. She's like, stop saying you like being and I was like oh yeah I guess so like I didn't realize like I also might be and I think a lot of people we all say that a lot of us are like you know I as an introvert it's like I just like being alone I get overwhelmed I'm like ah and she's like stop it so it's like it's actually a really good thought also I think you're also probably the same way I think you like people and you like you you want to be in a relationship and all these things but you also appreciate your alone time and need it I think as an artist and not to like segment out of like people that aren't because i think we're all creatives yeah, own, yeah right like at night is where i go like mm-hmm. i was up all night 
editing this film because I'm like, I get, I love that. Yeah. I thrive. Traveling, I need to walk the streets and walk alone mm-hmm. and like literally talk yeah, to do, myself. Yeah, yeah, I do that. Right. Or when I'm in the ocean, like that's why it's great because you yeah. disconnect to reconnect is how I like to frame surfing. And, uh, you're, you're, you nailed it. Like mm-hmm. it's not about being alone. It's the art of, I need my space. My brain needs to express mm-hmm. and think. And I remember when, I, when we had that conversation with, with my girlfriend now, it, she was like, yeah, of course, dude. Like, I'm the same way. Like, get out of my yeah. face. Like, we both need time. Yeah, you know? good. And to the point of, like, calling into the carpet versus the anxiety of, like, okay, like, we're going to go on our first trip together. Like, number one, I'm nervous. Like, how does the bathroom thing work? <laughs> like, when am I going to get any alone time? Like, I got a game I got to prep for. Like, I can't hold your hand. And she's like, dude, I'm independent. Like, I don't need, like, Yeah beat it like yeah, of course yeah. and yeah. i was like oh, thank you for at least calling it versus me stressing and sweating totally. and doing a terrible job totally. in every realm yeah so let's give some examples to people of how anxiety and depression can kind of show in relationships so like there, there might be people listening and are like i don't even know like what yeah like look you could everybody can google the symptoms of anxiety and, and depression so you could see if yourself or somebody you know is going through it but like in relationships how have, have have you experienced or maybe you yourself doing it or myself have expressed that in relationships how has it come out yeah that's a great question i just uh finished this film called protector that mm. you would love and it's about uh athletes can be the cure to ending sexual violence on college campuses mm-hmm. which doesn't really have anything to do with your topic on the nose, but it it does ancillarily. And I say that because there's a lot of kids that we'll talk to on college campuses or even beyond that are like, well, I am in this box as an athlete or in L.A. I'm in this box as an entertainer or as a producer or as a rich banker or as a VC person or as a, whatever. I'm in this box and I'm supposed to live to a certain set of ideals within this box. If it's a teacher, it's, I got summers off, I'm supposed to rage. Mm -hmm. If it's a jock, it's, oh my God, I'm supposed to have 10 girlfriends because I'm the star and this is how it's supposed to roll. So to me, that's where the anxiety begins. Mm -hmm. You know, I was a sophomore in college, first game of the year, the star goes down, I go in and have my best game. Mm -hmm. And I'm at the bar and one of my friends, the head cheerleader, who is like the older sister to me, says, yo, you can get any girl you want tonight. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, yeah, your name was all over the loudspeaker. And I was like, that's how this shit works? Yeah. Like, what? And it was so yeah. uncomfortable. From that moment on, I was anxious in college of ever even saying that I played because I thought mm. that was like the biggest BS way to get in, which definitely crushed my confidence when I would want to talk to a woman. Yeah. So I think it initially begins with, in this world specifically, we are put in boxes. And yeah. we put ourselves in. Look at your profile on oh, Instagram. Yeah, yeah influencer or whatever the fuck it is Mm -hmm. and i think it starts there and then it's the archetype that that's supposed to be Mm -hmm. that to me is the 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 biggest hurdle from the beginning because i hear from a lot of kids that will come up crying afterwards being like my friends keep pressuring me like to keep hooking up with multiple girls but like Mm -hmm. i just need to be alone or i'm gay or i need Mm -hmm. to just have one partner or my mom would be so disappointed in me Mm -hmm. and then that happens because they get arrested or Something unfortunate happens in a situation that just ruins their lives. And a lot of times they're acting from this box they're perceived and projected to be in. And really, that's the furthest thing from their identity and how they were raised and what they were trained to be. Mm -hmm. So that's to me like step one is recognizing that and being like, all right, am I cool with this box that that someone put me in? And and do I want to be there? Yeah, Um, that's a really good point. I think like for me as somebody who used to, be both <laughs> I was a relationship girl and then the super commitment phobe I think like 
the kinds of things I did was a lot of like uh, keeping people at arm's distance, never really getting emotionally close enough for them to, for me to care, for them to hurt me, for me to enjoy enough. You know, I was just very like um, that hot and cold behavior, which has happened to me a million times. Like a guy will be like super into it and then next second like done. Or like, you know, again, you know, you meet somebody's parents and the next day, you're like, I didn't even think this was exclusive. You're like, huh? And uh, <laughs> and then like, or just, you know, like I think a, a, another thing I did, it's the Seinfeld thing. Uh, this is a great example. Seinfeld would, you know, like Man Hands episode. Oh, yeah. Where it's like nothing's wrong with her, but he's like, oh, my God, Man Hands. Like right. I've broken up with people because totally. I, I saw I'm a picture with, of them there. dancing badly. I just saw a picture of a guy raising the roof and I was like, Oh, no, he didn't do that. And I literally ended it. But I didn't tell him that's why I ended it. I was just like, I really ended it because he told me he loved me after a month of us dating and wanted us to move in together a month and a half later. And I was like, whoa, buddy. But like, I didn't, I broke up because of the dancing thing. You know what I mean? Versus what was really going on. So I think like I say those things because, or like you see withdrawal or finding fault for no reason. Like, I think it's important for people to recognize that in themselves is like, hey, maybe that's a manifestation of anxiety and depression in a relationship. So maybe it's something you're doing or maybe it's something you're experiencing. So like it's something you can actually tackle versus, again, like just uh, getting depri- like getting upset about it. You can now maybe talk to somebody and be like, hey, like what's going on? Is it because like you're feeling anxiety around something? Then maybe we can get to the bottom of it Yeah. versus, you know. Yeah, no. A lot of turmoil involved in between. Yeah, that's a great uh it's a great call. I I've done the same thing, you know, where you just ghost to ghost or you yeah. get ghost and you're like, What's up? I thought yeah. you loved me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, um and you and you and you don't mean it and then you look back on it and you're like, I wasn't ready for that. Oh, like yeah. I've been told that by girls before, like I wasn't ready to meet you. And I was like, That's that's not bullshit. cool. <laughs> like, you're just not Oh, into that's like me. Yeah. Me again. I was just gonna <laughs> say that's like yeah. Um, classic. Yes, I, I think it, I'm a big fan of like visioning of like, what do you want? Like, if you want to just go like rip it and have a blast, like, go do it. Mm-hmm. Like, go make out, go kick it, go do whatever you want. If you want to date around, go do it. You know, I saw this, uh, the, my, my shui guy, Joe Town, he, he told me this story about this old wise, wise woman once. Mm-hmm. And she said, okay, here's how, if you, if you want to be with somebody, try this out. And I, and I tried it out and it's, it's currently worked. Um, for three months, date as much as you possibly want. Go hard. Like, don't be a scumbag, but, like, date. Mm-hmm. Like, just do it. And then at the end of three months, like, see if there's somebody that you can be compatible with and, like, actually go for it with them. And then at the end of, like, eight months, which would be, like, the 11th month mark, like, really reset and be like, okay, like, how legit is this? And at the mm-hmm. end of the 12th month, so that's nine months with an individual, you should be able to feel it out at this stage of your game, like, is that my person? Mm-hmm. And what it allowed me to do was – and. She doesn't know this, but it allowed she will after this. Well, but, yeah, now that, she that knows ended. your entire plan. Yeah, but it allowed me to uh, consciously um, deal with being a dater for twenty years. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, there's a lot to unpack. Versus, I think I met my person. She's it. Shut it down. Then you're like, <gasps> exactly. Anxiety, depression, anxiety, depression. Like, even if you didn't have a gnarly, uh, you know, history of that, mm-hmm. I think if you go cold turkey on anything. Um, it's hard. That's why, like, totally. 
the 12 I'm, step the, program the, the, exists. I'm, I'm about to go to cold turkey. I'm taking three months off. Go I'm three like, months off. No, I'm like no dating at all. I was like, no, I, but I do your thing all the time. I'm like, I, I go hard for like a few months and then I'm like, okay, here's one person. And then right. I try and then like, I'm like, nope, that didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> so like now I'm taking a break. Yeah. Um, but I, but I, uh, I get that. I think, uh, Here's a here's an interesting question though. Uh, before we get into some tips, I I do want uh, us to share some like things that people can do if they're in the in the middle of experiencing anxiety and depression. You're a uh, you know you are somebody who is who's an attractive man, so you're you're on the you're lucky. I'm sure you don't have as hard a time with girls, but some of our our listeners might not feel that they are, um, and so they're people who you know don't even have like know how to get a date. Or how to keep a date or or like they I mean, I feel like everybody really knows inside, but like the anxiety around it is more overwhelming, you know, so uh, and or they're dating people that aren't right for them because of their own anxiety and depression, like the other persons. So like when when should you get out? Because I do think that there are times you should get out. Yeah, it's a great. We're just talking that, about that with some friends who are like, "Yeah, no, I've I've stayed in relationships way too long mm-hmm. sometimes just just to stay in them." And like you know that the other person is their anxiety. Like, like my ex who I was uh, who I was living with, he had such severe anxiety that it led to addiction. Mm-hmm. So his way of dealing with anxiety was through addiction. There came a point that I couldn't live like that anymore and I was like this is now making it toxic for me and I'm now on edge all the time because of you and I think people have to evaluate their needs and their wants in life and for me it's not to feel on edge when I'm around somebody or be worried all the time about is this a moment that you're gonna crack you know so like when when should you get out I think that it goes back to the first point we talked about was like you have instinct. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I think women are way. But, you know, smart. we talk ourselves out of it all the time. Like you said, your friend, you know, your friend is like, I stayed too long. Yeah. It's so like, when do you tell yourself? Mm-mm. Yeah. Well, I think unfortunately, sometimes it gets to a point where it's like maybe a situation like yours mm-hmm. or it's I've talked to, you know, I've been around a lot of friends I've dated people that were in abusive relationships mm-hmm. that were like, I knew I shouldn't have been in it, mm-hmm. but I kept going back. So t- to me, it's the instinctive element, and then it's your tribe. Like mm-hmm. I, I was always believing in the phrase, you are the company that you keep. Yep. You know, And for people, if they're trying to date or if they're to answer your specific question of when do I get out, to me, it's like when you feel it, who's your tribe? Mm-hmm. And you always have somebody. I really believe that, whether that's one of the numbers mm-hmm. that you referenced early on to call or whether it's you or whether it's mm-hmm. me or whether it's uh, someone in our in our circle. And you get held accountable. I mean, mm-hmm. psychology would say to get anything accomplished, you have to write it down. Mm-hmm. You have to talk about it. And you have to share it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's day one mm-hmm. basic psychology of accomplishing a goal. Right. So if it's OK, I wrote it down like I know this person isn't for me. Yo. Natasha, you know, I don't think she's for me. Can we talk about it? Cool. And then you share it, however mm-hmm. that is. And mm-hmm. and I believe in that. And we, we've become an inclusive uh, species mm-hmm. when we are an exclusive, sharing, wide yeah. open species. That's how we were built to connect and reconnect. Mm-hmm. So I think that to me is one of the uh, most critical elements of when to get out is feel it, trust it, do it. That's yeah. I think that's a. a you do really... it if it was a fire. Yeah, exactly. If someone walked in with yeah. a gun, you do it. Yeah. So if it's your life and it's at stake yeah. and the stakes of your relationship, 
you went through a terrible and my heart breaks yeah. to do that and other of my friends that have been in shitty relationships you're you're being sabotaged right like yeah, yeah. you feel it out and then mm-hmm. to me it's okay when it's when it's hard to do that because it is rallying with your squad yeah and i think i think um people need to be honest about what is toxic for them it's not about what's toxic for your friend it's not about what anybody else can handle i know my tolerance level is low for bullshit in comparison to uh, some of my other friends that's because they haven't gone through certain bullshit so god bless you but i have a certain amount of tolerance so i have to do what's right for me and i and that's my advice to people is like you know without saying that word i hate that word but you know Look at what's toxic for you. And I think the bigger thing is, are you with somebody who wants help? Because if they are somebody who has an issue but refuse to get help about it, then I would check the deuces and be like, that's not, you know. Uh, You're not going to grow. I don't want to use the yeah. word God, but like God helps those who help themselves. You know what I mean? Like you, at the end of the day, change only takes place like that. That individual can only change themselves. No person can change and actually have like true change for somebody else. It's only because they've yeah. come to a real point in their life that they're like, look, I don't want this to affect me anymore. And as a result, the people around me. Yeah. And if that person that you're with isn't willing to do that. You're right. You've I mean, th- got to take the hard decision and like walk away. This is going to be a weird left turn, but think of like drug addiction, right? Oh, yeah. Right. If you're, if you're a person, like you're going to be addicted to that relationship, mm-hmm. right? You want to be in love. You want to feel it. You want to grow. You want to flourish this amazing relationship. Cool. Well, as you know, and as I know with addicts, like unfortunately, they have to ask for the help. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they got to fall the hardest and the lowest mm-hmm. until that part even begins. So I think if it's a relationship and you're identifying hey, this person isn't at their best, I've really tried my ass up, but mm-hmm. they got to figure it out. It takes a lot of courage, which is why I say you yeah. share, use your community, uh, but they'll never get better. I've walked you know? away from, th- I ended up dating three addicts, and yeah. I didn't even, one was alcohol and two were sex. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no, dude, this is a problem. And when, you know, when it gets to a point where people, when you find out about it, some people hide it really well and they don't want to get help you're like and we've done an episode guys it's a really great episode with dr Eris humor on um on uh, addiction and codependency and uh if you if you want to take a listen that's also there but what you had said um about uh the journaling and and uh having a support group and whatever actually was my personal tip for if you are going through an acute phase of anxiety or depression one of my literal like i learned this at a young age when i went through it and i didn't have the opportunity to get help i was like well i got to do something so um my um my way of dealing with it is like the minute i know i feel something or i'm getting at a point that you know it's overwhelming me. I have my like tier friends, my like two or three. And one is my, my, and they're my best friends. It's my mom and my two best friends. And my mom is one of my best friends. So it's fine. Um, literally I call them or text them immediately. They know. And I go, Hey, I'm going through a bout. Like I feel it. And they're like, okay, cool. And they know that their job is just to check in on me. That's it. Just be like, Hey, you good. How are you feeling today? Because they know like, I probably won't talk. And then if I get into a shell of not talking, it's what gets bad. What you said also, writing. I then go back and I'll write some shit out. <laughs> it's like poetry or whatever. Like I'm, I'm a writer, so that's what I do. Um, 
And then I go do things that make me happy. Like I have my things that like, I love watching sunsets. I love taking drives by myself. I love like going to comedy shows by myself. I love it. It's like nothing makes me happier. It's it's such a cheesy thing, but I love it. I just love laughing by myself and, um, and like getting massages. So like I do something if I'm in that acute phase, like every day for something for myself, just to remind me it's about me, make yourself happy. And adding that, like, exercise, huge thing, like, you know, um, I've incorporated, I, I had a bad car accident, like, two years ago. I started incorporating, like, yoga and meditation and deep breathing to deal with now anxiety in a car. And you're like, okay, so, and, like, those things have really, really helped um, to manage it in, at the acute phase so that it doesn't become something that's overwhelming and starts seeping into other parts of my life and, you know, affecting people. So, um, you know, I think, like, creating an action plan for yourself is really important. And you tell me, your parents are therapists, but, like, I'm a huge advocate for cognitive behavioral therapy. I'm like, if you have anxiety or depression, the therapy that seems to have the most effective results are CBT because they kind of help change your frame of thought. And it's not this like psychoanalyst kind of like analyst thing that you're just sitting there for years on end talking about your shit. It's kind of very goal oriented. Yeah. I would um, and agree I think with that, that really helps. There's people. two real simple exercises too that you can do <clears throat> that um, one is like everybody always talks about like the three gratefuls, mm-hmm. right? Well, there's an even, uh, I think, more simplistic version of that of like, Writing down before you go to bed because you have to write it to make it real. Yes. Uh, three good things that happen to you mm-hmm. in your day. Like, literally, it could be like, man, Natasha, it was awesome. You know, like, I didn't hit one red light on the way home yep. and I had two cups of coffee and I read two newspapers. Yep. Like, as simple as that is. And, and the reason I say that, because after six days is when behavioral patterns can shift mm-hmm. if you're doing something for six days in a row. That's the science behind it. So you'll feel the shift. If you do it every night before bed, the, just three good things that happen. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is that uh, I, I've been in these groups where we talk about this, where sometimes it's hard to find those three good things. Mm-hmm. And then it's reframing what a good thing is. And to me, that was like an easy step that you can do on your own. Um, another one is when you wake up. Uh, to me, like uh, the first thing I do is, is put my feet on the ground um, and, and legitimately feel it. Mm. And then I say, OK, wh- where am I right now? Like zero to ten. All right, I feel like a ten. Cool. All right, so like 10 a.m., I'm like, all right, where am I at right now? So I'm at four. Mm. All right, why? What's up? Like to, to, to check in check to the in, voice. Check in, check in, yeah. And then why not? Well, man, like I, just, I haven't moved. All right, go work out. Go mm-hmm. for a sprint. Go for a run. Do 50 push-ups, like whatever it is. Checking in two or three times a day, that is as simple as an alert on your phone yep. of like, what am I, where am I at? Yeah. And then tracking it. And literally my favorite game in the history of life is the how and why game. Mm-hmm. Like to me, it's my crutch in interviews. And it's my favorite thing to do when I give talks to institutions or businesses is bring somebody on stage and say, hey, what was your dream as a kid? I want to be a lawyer. Why? I met, my dad told me to. He can't go any further than that. Okay, so let's bounce that dream. What's yeah. the other one? I want to be in the NBA. Why? How? Why? How? Yeah, why? Yeah. How? And all of a sudden we get to some joy. And that to me is uh, the second phase That's of awesome. like where am I ranked in my day throughout yeah. the day in a ranking that I give myself. Not how many likes I get, yeah. how many retweets I get, mm-hmm. how many auditions or callbacks I get, but literally where am I at? Mm-hmm. And that's that's the true grounded, legit confidence because it comes from your self-talk like we referenced. And I think like that's the, uh, that's what it comes down to period in life is like where, where are you at? And it comes down to that self-work like you kept saying, you know, like 
that's literally the only answer. There is no um, easy way out of going through things like this. And like we said, every single person has a form of uh, some anxiety and depression to some degree. So um, you got to be able to do that work. Um, like we said in the beginning of the show, guys, uh, I will... Uh, give these resources again. Um, if you are going through something or you just want more information about it, uh, you just want to talk, um, one, we're always here. You can email me. Uh, I check all the emails. I check all your messages and you know I reply. So kindadating at gmail.com. Um, I'm on socials. That's where y'all tend to hit me up. So hit me up wherever you want. It's all good. Um, and, and I'll listen. So uh, the National Institute of Mental Health, nih.nih.gov, uh, is one resource. Also the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is one 800 273-8255. They have trained crisis workers available to talk 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We will make sure to share these on uh, Kind of Dating social accounts as well. Um, Yogi, we could go on. I told you, this is going to be like an 18-part episode of Anxiety and Depression. Um, You gave some amazing points, so thank you so much for being on the show. But you're not done. Okay. You know you're not done. This is our, guys, we do something called Six Questions with every guest. Um, so we ask everybody the exact same six questions. It's our dating version of the Bernard Pivot questionnaire made famous on Inside the Actor's Studio, but this is all original. So you ready for your six questions? Yeah, let's do this. Let's do it. I didn't prep. I saw it's that. All good. I was like, I'm not going to read them. <laughs> good. I'm just going to go reaction. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Um, Yogi, here are your six questions. Paul. What is the first thing you notice about a potential partner? Smile. What is your one deal breaker? Ooh, that's good. Uh, one deal breaker. Um, I, like if you're negative, like if you complain a lot, like that—that mm-hmm. that is like super turn off to me. You don't have to be like positive Pollyanna, like everything's everything's Venice and everything's great. But like if you're like, man, fuck this, and like somebody cut in front of me, and like this person's driving like an asshole, and LA sucks. I'm like, dude, this shit needs to like take that energy. And jump that in the Pacific for a little while, rinse your feet off, and come on back. And if it keeps coming, I'm just like, I can't, I can't do it. Yeah. What turns you on? I mean, he, he, making fun of me, like, like, he, like humor. I'm super into it. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, that's hot. Okay, <laughs> we, we can get with that. Yeah. Um, tell us one of your strengths and one of your weaknesses in relationships. Uh, strengths is I think, um, I think I, I'm a good listener. Mm-hmm. Um, weaknesses was definitely. Um, not being willing to to go, mm. you know, and to really show up. You know, I've learned that the hard way a couple times um, and I always thought I did. And then I was like, nah, showing up doesn't mean you show up for like the big shit. You know, showing up is like you just check in. Like I know you got like like for me, I'm always on the road for six months out of the year. And it was like, yeah, I'm gone. I'm in Corvallis or I'm at a game. You could have could have called or texted like the littlest of things that. I would that would affect me when a woman wouldn't do it. I wasn't necessarily always great at that, and I think part of it was because I knew that maybe that was like my subtle ghost. Um, but I know how important that is. It's one of the things I meditate on every morning: is uh, you know, giving, receiving, the concept of love, showing up, and remaining vulnerable. And mm. those are the areas that I wanted to make sure. If I'm going to talk about manhood, like in this film, then I better be able to define what the hell it is, mm-hmm. and I better work on it every day. So uh, that would be my weakness. Yeah. Nice. Um, what is love? I think it's the language of the world. 
Mm. You know, I read the book The Alchemist at 23, and it took me two months because each page blew my mind. Like, it was notes after notes after notes, and I was like, whoa, there's this language of the world. And I started to travel at 21 and see the world a little bit. And, and you know, you don't have any money when you're traveling young, let alone now, and, you, and you're just connected to people. Mm-hmm. And you realize how much people want to help. You know, it's like there's this old psychology, this old test that when you're looking for a parking spot and you're really looking for it, like in L.A., you start to see reverse lights way more than you would normally. You see turn signals because it's there, right? It's like if I hold the string and I say go around in a circle mm-hmm. with the, you know, a little weight at the bottom, I can get it to go anywhere I want because my focus and my intention is there. I think same thing around the idea of the language of the world, which I think is love. I think we are... You know, you've been in a lot of war-torn communities, I'm sure. I've been in a boatload where you just drop in and you realize that, like, you're, everything's taught and learned. You're mm-hmm. taught to hate. You're taught to love. You're taught to discriminate. Mm-hmm. You're taught, you're taught, you're taught. Well, the innate thing when you come out of the womb is like, hey, the I world, love, I love yeah. you, you know? And I think that is a – I tr- truly believe that whether it's Spanish, English, you know, Hebrew, Arabic, doesn't matter. Like, the language of the world is love. And yeah. I think you can tell that when you travel – and don't speak the language. Mm-hmm. Um, besides I love you, what three words would you want your partner to tell you? You showed up. Nice. Yeah. Nice. That was great. Um, Yogi, that was awesome. Thanks so much for being on the show. How can people find you on social media? Uh, I'm easy. Just at Yogi Roth. Yeah, pretty much every, yeah, every platform. Awesome. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Yeah, and guys, get... he's so inspirational. So you should definitely follow him and cool. like uh, learn a few things. And if you're into foosball, uh, he's also got some good uh, information in that world. <laughs> Let's go. We're gonna turn you into a, to a, to a <laughs> you know foosball what's funny? rock it's, star. It's my, I've dated two like my ex. Yeah, yeah. He used to play like college high school ball, and again, four years. I go to all the game. My best friend Joe is like a football player. All my friends used to play like. One of my friends is like all American, and I I go to all the games. I watch right. it. My girl, my roommate is like hardcore sports fan, but sometimes I'm still like, tell me one more time what just happened. Totally, that's <laughs> what my mom was. You know, they didn't have it in yeah. Israel. She, but grew I up. like, I enjoy it. I just can't say like I know enough about it. That's you know, good. That's it's good. like hockey. I could probably talk a little bit more about <laughs> Canadian guys. Um, yeah. hey. Friends, we're also on social media, Kinda Dating, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Kinda Dating. Um, I'm also around Natasha Chandel, except Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter because some bitch took my name. Um, Kinda Dating is presented by Meltdown Comics. Come visit us, 7522 Sunset Boulevard here in L.A. Thank you so much for downloading this episode. If you can take a few seconds and review us on iTunes and download the rest of our shows, I would really appreciate it. Um, also, send us your dating stories and thoughts, and again, any kind of venting you want or any um you just want to talk i'm around to listen kind of dating at gmail.com finally i know it seems tough out there but just try till next time kind of dating is brought to you by meltdown networks it's been created and hosted by natasha chandel producer and audio engineer mackenzie mizell associate producer aisha holden social media coordinator sydney standard theme music joe lorenzetti logo character illustration by jenna yannick and logo and motion graphic designer, K. Daniel Ellis.